You're listening to the Hotel Talk Podcast. And now, introducing your host, Jennifer Susky. So hello, everyone. Welcome to Hotel Talk again. This week, we have Jan Freitag on with us from STAR. And I, again, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Um, so yeah, I want to just jump right into it and learn a little bit about you. Uh, everyone is dying to know more about who you are, uh, what you like to do, and I'm just outside of Star even. Uh, so first question would be, what are what are your favorite? What's your favorite thing to do during your di- downtime? Outside of STR? Yeah. Not just that's. Oh, yeah, there is some time outside of STR. So we have, uh, I'm based in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, so in the South, which means we can go out a lot uh, because the weather is normally nice. Now, right now we're just staying home, but I have uh, two boys, four and a half and two and a half. And that's the entertainment every weekend and every night. So um, we, yeah, chase them around, bounce around with them, you know, get them with their bicycles and tricycles and go to the lake and the beaches. So that's really the, the main entertainment outside. I, I used to play basketball at the Y. The YMCA system here is outstanding, like really, really nice. Wow. Um, but right now, we're not going to go to the Y. So, you know, it's really hanging with the boys. I love that. That's really nice. I mean, you have to have that balance, too. I know that you probably live and breathe the SDR, but you have to have a life outside of there, too. So people are just curious about yes. who you are. So where is your favorite place to vacation or travel to? So I'm from Germany, so I love going to Germany, you know, just because there's, you know, the, the families there. There is uh, an, an island in the North Sea called Langeoog, which is a, an island that doesn't have cars. So you take the ferry over and then you just have to schlep everything yourself on, on bicycles or, you know, little drawn carriages. And um, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a super fun, A, childhood memory, but also my brother still goes there and has been going there every summer. You know, since he turned, I don't know, fourteen. So um, we're we're you know hanging out there when when we can. We've done it with the, with the one boy, and hopefully take the whole family as soon as we can travel again. So that's oh, a super yeah. fun place. That sounds like a lot of fun. Germany's definitely on my bucket list of places to go to. Um, it's amazing the culture just um, over there in general. So um, Germany's definitely on my list. And so any recommendations on places to go specifically? Feel free to share those. Uh, up north, you know, I'm from up north. There are people who, who really believe in down south, like the Bavaria, Munich area. Yeah. There's sort of a, a cultural difference. If you're from up north, you stay up north. If you're from the south, you stay south. Oh, really? You know, so, <laughs> oh, very much so. It doesn't look like it from here, but in Germany, it's very clear. You can tell well, by what's the, the biggest difference for all of us who know nothing? Oh, you know, the, the, the northerners have the reputation to be a little bit more reserved. You know, and the, the, the southern, it's closer to Italy, closer to, you know, outdoor life and partying, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. So if you do, do you have a bucket list, if you had one item on your bucket list that you could share with us, what would it be? Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, take the boys around Europe. You know, that's what when my wife and I first met, this is, you know, prior to kids even, you know, we were definitely thinking of we should we should spend a lot of time as, as our jobs allow to, you know, go over to Europe. And I think that's definitely still part of the list as they get a little bit older mm-hmm. and, you know, get out of pull-ups and be fully potty trained. <laughs> we're working on it. <laughs> then, you know, we probably have, have a little bit more opportunity to do some more travels. 
That's great. Did you find it easier to travel over in Europe in general? I find that being in the States, we don't, we think, I mean, we travel, but I mean, there's just so much to see in our own country that we don't tend to get out as much. Well, it's, it's easier to travel in that you drive from this town where I grew up in eight hours, any direction, well, not south, but almost any direction and you're in a different country, you know, so everything is, you know, a different, you know, different cultures that, that way. Um, the other part, of course, is public transport. You know, I mean, the train yeah. system is just so, 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 so easy. Yeah, that's amazing. I am very jealous of that, actually. Um, so, yeah, if there's anything else, do you want to share anything else about yourself that you might think that other people might want to know? I went to the Cornell Hotel School, loved all of it. Um, and so close to Buffalo, you know, it's in Ithaca, so we both yeah. understand winters. We both <laughs> yeah, understand we... that we don't want the winters. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, I've been with STR now f since 2002, so for a long time. Uh, and we just got purchased, as you may know, by CoStar. Mm -hmm. So we are now part of a larger universe, you know, of, of commercial real estate reporting. They report on office space and multifamily and industrial warehouse and all that stuff. And they own apartments.com. So if you ever looked for an apartment, that's actually CoStar. Um, and so we're, we look forward to, you know, integrating our data with them. Yeah, but I've been, I've been here for a long, long time and sort of fell as I started my career with SGR into this reporting, speaking, making sense out of the data, not on the property level, but on the sort of on the national level. Like I don't, I mean, I can read a star report, but I'm not the right guy, you know, <laughs> to propose what the ref bar index should be. Not that we do that at STR, but I'm like, it's just a number that I don't deal with every day. You know, I deal with total room demand for the United States for the year. You know, very, very different, you know, uh, lens, you know, but um, yeah, it's, it's I, I fell into this, you know, sort of by accident because the company when I started was much smaller and there was a, there were a lot of requests for speaking engagements and I, w I was, you know, young and single and I'm like, I'll go. And they're like, <laughs> don't you want to know where? And I'm like, nope, I just want to go. And so, you know, logged a lot of miles and spent a lot of time <laughs> in hotel rooms um, and yeah, just you know, became enamored with the idea of, of, of making the data make sense. I know that you I know speak it can be intimidating. Yes, it can definitely, the weekly star report can definitely be intimidating, but it's something that we're all familiar with and that's what we all look to. So um, I know that a lot of people, I mean, when I said you were going to be on here and they requested you be on here, they were really looking for your insights. So I know that you do a lot of different speaking engagements. You're all over the place. So what else do you what else do you do? What are your main speaking engagements? So right now I'm the friendly face of COVID, you know, to the U.S. hotel <laughs> industry. So I interpret the weekly data that comes out to our clients on Wednesday morning. I get it on late Tuesday night. I make um, slides out of it that are then being used internally by people to present to their clients, to, to our hotel clients, you know, through account managers or business development. I also make a video that then ends up on the CoStar website and on the Hotel News Now website. Um, I get asked to by from reporters all the time for insights. You know, so mm -hmm. STR is is pretty big in the media game. You know, whenever there is a story, there's always some reporter always wonders, "Hey, what's the impact on tourism?" You know, mm -hmm. you have the Republican or the Democratic National Convention. You have COVID. You have um, you know, a sports event, you have a uh, hurricane season, you have Labor Day, whatever. Somebody says, oh, I wonder what happens to hotels in that environment. And then they Google and they find STR and then, you know, they end up on my desk. And so I try to make sense out of the data on, on, on a high level. 
Um, and then I, I write a lot, you know, I write for Italian News Now, um, I write a, a monthly, very comprehensive, you know, sort of 17 page in-depth look at the data that goes out internally to our people so they know, you know, sort of gives them talking points when they get asked by their clients what we think about the data. And that thing gets wrapped up into something called Freitags 5 that they put on Hotel News Now. So I'm, I'm, oh, wow. you know, I'm a content creator for the lack of a better term. That's great. I think that a lot of us, when we know about the Star Report, we see it every week, but we don't know where else to get all of this information. So you've mentioned a couple places, Hotel News Now, and you mentioned that, that, that you had one report on there, that really long one that kind of goes more in depth. So what was that called again? Yeah, so there's um, so there are a couple of sources. One is Hotel News Now, which is our sister company based in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And I write for them whenever I feel like it, whenever the data <laughs> warrants it, you know, so this week they just published a six month look at the data, you know, when COVID hit um, in China, right after Chinese New Year, which was around January 24, 25th, the data in China always looks the same every year. It's Chinese New Year, there's a dip, people stay home, and after that there's a week of vacation and occupancies increase. And this year the data dipped and stayed low. Oh, and we're yeah. like, okay, this isn't good, <laughs> something happened here. So, and I basically looked six months later, so July 25th, and I said, okay, what have, what have we seen? What have we learned? What's the recovery look like? And we grabbed a bunch of data sources from a couple of different people from around the world at STR and put it into an article that just actually yesterday, the day before landed on Hotel News Now. So that happens. And then the other piece, which is just the monthly review of what the data says um, is, uh, uh, is, is uh, Freitags 5 comes out, you know, on the whatever, 25th or so for the prior month. And then the videos come out every week, every Friday on Hotel News Now. And also, they're also on str.com. We have actually a COVID-19 landing page on str.com. And good. you can see the videos. So I do a weekly video. Tom Emanuel from London does a weekly UK video. Um, Robin Rossman, who runs our international office, does a webinar every other week about Europe, and then Jesper, who runs our Singapore office, our APAC office, does a webinar every other week also about APAC. So we have, if you're interested in global data, <laughs> we got it. We got a lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, so and you have this for the US too, I'm assuming. Correct, so I do, yeah. I do the weekly video, you know, and then there's a weekly press release about our data and yeah, as much data as you can eat. People <laughs> love data. People <laughs> love it. So if they want, if they're interested in seeing all this, they go to Hotels News Now. Com. So there's hotelnewsnow.com and str.com and, and okay. And the webinars and things like that exist on STR? Yep. Bo okay, both. good. Okay. So for those of you- And then, of course, we're on the socials. So we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, we're on WeChat. We happen to be in China. Um, <laughs> you know, so uh, I think we're on Instagram. So we have, uh, we're pushing out all these um, through our various social channels. So I'm, I'm sort of, I, I got a little bit off Twitter and a little bit more into LinkedIn. My LinkedIn followers are just a lot more hotel centric. And I like that because my feed is a lot more hotel centric. So that's where I put out, you know, everything that, that I either I see from other people or that we publish at STR or the videos that I reference. Yeah, you're really good about posting, you know, what's upcoming and just all of these resources. And I appreciate that because I still look at them all of the time. Um, so thank you for all of this information because I know that people are going to have questions. And if you have questions, as a reminder, drop them in the chat and we will absolutely get them answered. But if we don't answer a question, then follow on uh, LinkedIn and check out Hotel News Now and Star. 
I guess is the best SCR. way to say that. SCR. I keep saying star. I'm sorry. It's habit. It's, it is autopilot. I'm sorry. SCR. It's the star report I from know. SCR. <laughs> I know. It's ingrained into my brain. Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize. So um, tell us a little bit about the hotel data conference. Yeah, so this is the 12th year, I want to say. Um, we've always had it in Nashville. Um, our founder, Randy Smith, at the beginning said, what do you mean you want all our clients to be in the same ballroom? That sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> but it turns out we actually had a good idea in getting people, specifically revenue managers on the property or on the regional level together. And it's, it's PowerPoint Palooza. I mean, it is two and a half days of PowerPoints in a black ballroom in Nashville, Tennessee. It's amazing. <laughs> and we've sold out, you know, for the last eight years and we have 750 people who are hardcore about it. Um, unfortunately this year we first said, okay, it's not going to be 750 people. It's going to be 150 people. And then the mayor said, you know, you can't have more than 25 people in a ballroom. So we're like, okay, so all the speakers are coming and we're broadcasting it. And anyway, so now we're virtual. So we're totally virtual uh, next week on the 13th. Um, starts, I think, around uh, 9 o'clock or so. Um, and still coming from Nashville, but, you know, of course. It's slightly Broadcasting live from Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. So we're starting at 10 o'clock central um, with, uh, with a macroeconomic overview by Adam Sachs, who, if you haven't heard him, is amazing. He is president of Tourism Economics, and he is the man when it comes to connecting macroeconomic data and the hotel and the, and the travel data together. U.S. travel uses his work. He gets quoted all the time. Then we have an industry overview by um, Val Ross, who runs our global business development team. And then uh, we have a forecast panel. So we release our newest forecast um, with our CEO and president, Amanda Haidt, and, and a couple of industry experts. Then I'm going to speak briefly with a colleague um, from IHG, Isaac Lazo, who's the competitive intelligence guy. Um, so he, who, who eats, lives, and breathes our data on the IHG side. Um, and then we have a bunch of other panels. Um, Butch Spearden is going to get interviewed about, uh, about how Nashville is doing. And then um, at the very end, we have a CEO panel where I'm, that I'm moderating with uh, Dan Hansen, who runs the Summit Hotel Properties REIT, uh, Raul Lael, who's the CEO of Virgin, and then Sloan Dean, who runs uh, Remington, the, the management company, yeah. and our own CEO, Amanda Hyde. Um, so that'll be you know, a fun 45 minute end to the, end to the day. So, but it is a full day. It's like 10 to uh, 4 or 30. That's incredible. So, I mean, is it still, is registration open? Can people still sign up for this? We have unlimited people, turns out. It's not cat at 750. We can have 10,000. So if, they, if people do want to jump on there, how would so, they register? Just hoteldataconference.com. That's it. That's, that's easy. That's all there is to it. Hotel we, we Internally, we call it HDC, but it's hoteldataconference.com. You know, I don't see why everyone's a big not there. Registration button right there. I have to say, like, I mean, the whole idea of these conferences going virtual. I mean, I miss being able to interact with people in person. I really do. I miss conferences. In our company, we live and breathe conferences normally, and then now this year we haven't done anything. But right. having them virtual, I feel like it makes it just open to so many more people who may not have been able to attend otherwise. So I think that's really nice. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing is a lot of people are missing the social piece, you know, mm -hmm. because I can communicate data, I can transfer knowledge this way, but I really want to like have a drink with you, you know, <laughs> and just talk about the Seattle weather or whatever, you know, like exactly. and, and that's, you know, really not, not happening. So 
what I would expect going forward, you know, after there's a vaccine, you know, is that we will see group meetings coming back specifically because this is good, but the social piece is lacking. And yes. for a lot of groups, the culture is built through those off-screen interaction, mm -hmm. and it's just hard to replicate that. Yeah, it's hard to keep it as organic when it's like it's a Zoom call. Even now, us having a conversation over Zoom, it's it, it's more stressful. At least on my end, you're used to this. But um, then, if you and I were just chatting in person, so I definitely definitely um, agree with that. And I do hope that you're right, and that these small meetings come back. Um, do you think that it's gonna? T I we keep hearing twelve to to nineteen months here, so. Do you think that's... I saw you stressed out. I'm no. Sorry. <laughs> it's just nerves. I'm not, I don't like being on camera. But that's it. Like, if we're in person, I don't care. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yes, there will be recovery. The big question is always, compared to 2019, when do we get to 2019 performance results? My counter to that question is always, why do you compare yourself to 2019, which was the best year ever ever, right? We sold 1.3 billion room nights. We had occupancy of 66%, never better. 3% unemployment, 30 million international travelers. Like all of these numbers were at peak and we're like, when do we back at peak? I'm like, why don't you compare yourself to 2016? <laughs> but that's not what yeah. people want to talk about. So we think together with Adam Sachs from Tourism Economics and Aaron Ryan from Tourism Economics, who are the, 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 the smart you know, macroeconomic guys in the room, they're suggesting, look, room demand and GDP growth, how the American economy grows, are connected at the hip. So if you okay. tell me how GDP is doing, I tell you how room demand is doing. And what they're saying is that their GDP forecast suggests that room demand should be back to 2019 levels by 2023 or so, end of 2022, summer 2023. So it's a, it's a while. But what's worse than that is that we don't think we're going to have a lot of pricing power. Right? Uh -huh. So we don't expect room rate and therefore RevPAR to be back to 2019 levels by 2025. Uh -huh. So it's, it's a long road ahead. And why do we say that with about the pricing power? I think if we look at history, as I said, last year was the best year ever. You know, most like we had a lot of compression nights, we sold a lot of rooms, hotels mm -hmm. were going, you know, gangbusters. And we raised ADR by 1%. Yeah. So what makes you think that in an environment where occupancies are less than 50% that we have any pricing? You know, so we just, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to fathom. Mathematically, you know, we expect that rates actually next year go up 5%. But just to do the math for you, last year, room cost $130. This mm -hmm. year, we think it's going to be 103 And next year, it's going to be 105 you know, so yeah, we have it's to like ramp back up down up. and a little bit up, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's some growth, but the growth is based on a really, really low number. We're not know? just going to see a spring back to normal is what you're saying. Like it's going to. I am not a believer a in a V-shaped recovery. You know, I've heard a couple of people refer to other sort of scenarios like the Nike swoosh. Yes, know, I've seen that. Time. I've heard that. Yes. You know, I, I was listening to a commercial mortgage-backed security podcast which does exist, it is <laughs> awesome. And they were referring to it as the reverse square root. So what they mean is it goes like this. Yeah. So it goes down a little bit up and then flat. 
And unfortunately, if you look at our ref percent changes, and if you look at the occupancies, like our occupancies, they came back and now they're sort of plateauing, right? Yeah. Because the yeah. leisure travelers are what the leisure travelers are and they're out there, mm -hmm. and they're, but they're not a whole lot more. And the question is, what happens after Labor Day? Exactly. You know, when we all go back to school, whatever <laughs> school looks like in this. When vacations you know, are over, yeah. Right, and mm -hmm. then you're supposed to have corporate transient and corporate group demand, supposedly, like in every year, but right. what does that Nobody's look traveling. like? Not yet, we're not ready for that. Um, it's interesting that you say, well, I agree with you, 2019 was the best year. I think that within hospitality, there's always some crisis. Uh, so pre-COVID, it was, <laughs> it's, I mean, like, I feel like that's always been the case. So before COVID, it was like this boom in supply. There's too much supply. We have supply coming out of our ears. There's not enough demand. So we can't, we can't get to that ADR that we want. That was what it was. So, and owners, they don't, they don't care. They want an increase every single year. So everyone was looking at 2019. Oh, they care. I mean, I've been in some really hard we budget. We love our owners. <laughs> well, I'm glad. That, I'm sure they love you too. Uh, but when it comes to hotel sales, they're just like, all right, how are we getting more, 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 more? Mm -hmm. And yeah. So before it was uh, the increase in supply, and now it's just the recovery from COVID. And if you had any words of wisdom for these hotels on how to hold on? I mean, I don't know if it's a word of wisdom, but I mean, you, you've, you've heard, you know, uh, um, John Q. Hammond said, you know, this is, I don't know, I think 10 years ago, he's like, we're not overbuilt, we're under demolished, you know, mm -hmm. like as an industry, you just have a lot of obsolete, uh, um, you know, built in the 1960s sort of projects, properties that maybe shouldn't be there anymore, but the mortgage okay. is paid. So the owner is like, you know, if I charge 40 bucks or 50 bucks, I'm still making money. So why not? So th that's, that's one. The, the, the other piece is that what we saw in 2007, the pipeline peak, the number of rooms in construction in 2007 was higher than it's ever been 212,000 rooms. And then over three and a half years, it slowly decreased because projects that were in the, in the construction pipeline opened, but nothing was backfilling it, right? Projects that were in final planning didn't actually move into in construction. We mm -hmm. fully expect that to happen this time around as well. So right now in April, number of rooms in construction was 220,000. And we think that number is gonna to continue to decrease because if you're in the ground halfway built, you're just gonna get it done. You're just gonna say, all right, let's, let's just open it. But if you have the land lined up, the, the brand lined up, but your bank says, hey, by the way, my loan-to-value loan ratio I proposed to you, you probably have to tweak that a little bit. You may say, you know what, let me just hold off on this. So we think that the end of construction pipeline is not going to get backfilled by projects that are in final planning. So there are going to be um, fewer projects in construction, which of course then helps in 2025, you know, when we just have less competition. Mm-hmm specifically exactly. on the upper upscale side you know if you have a big box with ballroom space you're not going to see a lot of competition you know 70 percent of rooms in a construction are limited service you know it's mm -hmm. really hard to get ballrooms built these days you know or upper upscale hotels with, with meeting space so we do have a question that came in from nick and Nick says, in reference to the, G I'm sorry, I have to start that over. In reference to GDP and hotel rev uh, correlation, how do we see inflation playing a ro role in pricing, i.e. global stimulus of pumping money in? How does it impact pricing? So in the past, 
the hotel industry has loved inflation because we were always able to increase our room rate on top of inflation. So if you look at our you know, 30 year charts back to 1990, there's a period in there where room rates annualized actually went up by like 6% or 7% or so. Now, there was an environment where inflation was 4%, you know, or 3%. Um, so that relationship actually broke in the last five quarters, uh, end of 2018, end of 2019, where the room rate increases were below the rate of inflation. So ADR actually declined in what economists call in real terms. Now, the inflation scare or fear has been on our mind for a long time now. And we haven't really seen it materialize, you know? But I don't think it is unreasonable to assume that as things get more expensive, that hotel rooms will get more expensive. So in general, I'm not a big, you know, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of neutral on inflation because I think as, a, as things get more expensive, consumers expect that things get more expensive and we should be able to participate in that as an industry. Yeah, great. Uh, Mia asked a question. She wants to know, can you speak to occupancy rates um, dependent on size of markets? What trends are you seeing nationally? So if you're in the top 25 markets, that means you are meeting and corporate group dependent and you are in a world of hurt right now. You know, that's where a lot of the upper upscale hotels are. And last week, week ending August the 1st, economy, occupancy, 56%, upper upscale hotel class occupancy, 36%. So very big difference. Mm -hmm. The question is, can the bigger boxes attract customers and will that then lift the top 25 markets? The answer is yes, but when? And that's really the wild card, right? We all believe in a vaccine. You know, a vaccine will come. I don't think there's a doubt about it. The question is, once it comes, then what? Like, are you going to be first in line? Or do you say, you know what? Maybe I'll wait for a quarter or so until some people have had it and we'll see how people react to it, you know? And then will large corporations tell their people, hey, you need to get back on the road, take the vaccine, or we propose you take the vaccine, or we pay for the vaccine, or whatever, you know, and how many people will, 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 will take that? So I would think, so there are no groups right now. 2020 is done, basically, when it comes to group. Are they going to be here? Sorry. Are they going to be here at the beginning of 20, uh, of tw sorry, 2020 is done, I mean. 2021, are they going to be here in Q1? Yeah, hopefully some. I would think that the meeting season Q3 of 2021 is really when we're going to see that uptick, that, that resurgence of group demand. And, you know, are the groups going to be as big as they used to be? No, because travel budgets have been slashed. Are the meetings as long as they were? No, because people don't want to be in the same room, you know? So I think all of that is going to have huge impacts on revenue generation for the, for the hotels. The counter to that is I talked about top 25 being in the world of pain. Last week, the four states with the highest occupancies were Idaho, Wyoming, South Dakota, Montana. Hmm. Interesting, right? So states that have this, this, this sense of being wide open spaces. You mm -hmm. know? And that's very much what we're seeing. The interstate uh, occupancies are higher. The suburban occupancies are higher. You know, rural occupancies are higher. 
for limited service hotels in those Western states, absolutely. So that's sort of this sort of, for lack of a better term, tale of two markets right now. You know, downtown not doing well, rural areas doing okay. I mean, that fits with everything being from drive markets and people like they called it the summer of road trips and um, you doing your staycations and people are marketing their hotel rooms as day use rooms for flexible meeting space or if you just need a home office away from your kids. Absolutely. <laughs> All of yes. these things. So it makes sense if it's on the freeway on the road trip or the suburban markets like this all completely makes sense. I just wish that it, you know, we all do. We wish that this would, the recovery would come sooner. I hope that this vaccine is mandatory, just like a lot of our vaccines are. Um, just get it over with. Stop it. I think, <laughs> but that's me being impatient. So that's on me. I think the easiest way to help is wear a mask. Yeah. Wear a mask, Stay tell your customers to wear a mask. Don't tell me that it's like a huge imposition. You wear a seatbelt, you know, yeah. you brush your teeth. You know, come on, mm -hmm. you can wear a mask. Exactly. Now, and the hotel companies are very much on board on this. The American Hotel Lodging Association is very much on board on this. I think most rational individuals are very much on board with this to say, look, I want to protect me. I want to protect you. I don't know if I have it. I may be asymptomatic. I don't want to spread it if I go out. Mm -hmm. You know, let's just wear a mask. I think when we look around the world, it's clear that that helps, you know. So exactly. that's sort of my public service announcement. You know? Well, yeah. thankfully the hotel brands are getting on board with this and making it more mandatory. We're going to take yeah. one more question because we are about out of time here. Um, and this one comes from Nick. Uh, within the U.S., how much do we see the presidential election playing a hand in the occupancy levels for this year? I think you saw this one coming. <laughs> yeah, um, the short answer is it doesn't. So we know historically that every four years, around the middle of January, the DC occupancies are increasing. We know that in during the primary season, occupancies in the early primary states are getting a slight lift. But other than that, it doesn't really matter, you know? And then the question is, are you acting differently on January 19th versus January 21st? And I think the answer there for most CEOs is also not really. You know, so uh, um, it's, yeah, we're, we're it, it is not an issue for national hotel occupancies. Okay, great. Well, again, I want to thank you so much for your time uh, yeah, coming here and educating us a little bit, telling us a little bit about the man behind the report. So thank you <laughs> so, so much. Um, and thank you everyone for joining. Um, this will be, this has been recorded. It will be on hoteltalkpodcast.com. So head over there um, and check it out. Thanks again. Thanks for listening and be sure to visit hoteltalkpodcast.com for more info and upcoming guests.